Our call to worship this morning is found in Psalm 68, verse 3, and in your pew Bible, that is page 534. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. In your gospel reading, Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you again today. And um, I want to see, how many of you know this song, He Knows My Name? It's a, a chorus, a gospel song. It's sung a lot. And um, it's, it really is apropos for our message today. Uh, it goes something like this. Go, hmm, Okay. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that flows and hears me when I call. Thank you, Lee. It's a great, great song. I wasn't sure if you guys sang it here or if you knew it, but the, the lyrics are, He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. And he hears me when I call. That's the God we serve. And that's who I want to talk about today. Now, to start off with, uh, this, this word hallelujah is translated praise the Lord. Somebody give me a praise the Lord, a hallelujah to our God. Go ahead. Hallelujah. That was kind of weak. Try it again. Hallelujah. All right, good. Hallelujah means praise God, praise the Lord. And today's message is called The Happy Church. And I want you to know that, you know, it feels good to us that Jesus knows our name. Doesn't it feel good to you? There's no question about it. Psalms 139 uh, tells us that God knew us even before uh, and as we were knit in our mother's womb. Now, last week we concluded the service by asking everybody to go over this side, go over to this side, and this side, go over to that side, to meet someone new. How many of you did that? Okay, good. A few of you did it. Good. Because, see, the fact is that Jesus does know my name, and he knows our name, but do we know one another's names? And is it important? Is it important? What's the big deal? Well, I'm going to share with you why it is important to know one another's name. And that's what this, this message is about. You see, the happy church, by the way, last week I mentioned that the word church never in the New Testament refers to a building. Who does it refer to? People, you. It's the church gathered. It's God's people gathered. So the title, the happy church, is really the happy people. Let me ask you a question. If, if you know of a very happily married couple, like me and Jenny, I know there's more of you out there, what is the big attribute that they share? Happy couples share what? They love one another, don't they? 
They respect each other. And that love is just part of who they are and what they do. That is exactly the same kind of love that we, sh- we ought to share here with one another. Now, do you, know that, do you know what the identifying mark of God's disciples are? Notice that phraseology. What is the identifying mark of God's disciples? All men will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. That's how you identify the Lord's disciples. It is the identifying mark. You'll identify them because of this great and tremendous love that they have for one another. Now in our scripture reading today, this thing about love is reinforced in this way. Jesus has said, Jesus was asked, you know, to entrap him. Hey, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? The Lord says, love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And second, in second place, but also equal to, is love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that what it is? That's the greatest commandment. We talked about the cross, you know. You know, you get the vertical, love for God, love God with all your heart. You got the horizontal, love others as you love yourself. So there is no question about it that the Lord God teaches us and wants us to love one another. But why? Why is that such a big deal? What is the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. Is that we are, and you are, the church of God. You are the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a great analogy because we know that a body has heart, lungs, liver, and, uh, you know, it's got a digestive system, it's got the muscular skeletons, et cetera, et cetera, right? Do they all work together? Of course they do. Well, you know, your body is in balance. All systems are working together, helping each other. They know each other. And you and I are part of that body. Now, I know that, that we're to have love for all people. People we don't know, people in Asia, people in South America. We're supposed to love people in Africa. All around the world, we're supposed to love people, right? But you know, when you really get real about it, when you really get real, can you love a person, really, in this church, not talking about way out there in South America somewhere. But can you love a person that you really don't know their name? I mean, you can love something about them and your love is extended to them through prayer and things like that. But I'm trying to hone this in because I know, I know we're supposed to love everybody and we do, we should. We should pray for the folks that we hear about on the news, you know, that are in trouble or disarray. But really, the fact is, is that love starts here in the home, and in the church. If we're to go out to this community and to talk about the love of Jesus, where should that love of Jesus start? Right here. Can I get an amen? Thank you, Lee. Good. It's true. It really is true. Now, I want to illustrate this with theology. This is the best part. I love theology, don't you? Okay, in order to follow me, though, you need to have your Bibles. So take your Bibles and open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, the reason we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll need your Bible. 
because I'm going to stay right here and I'm going to talk about this particular portion of Scripture. You will need your Bible because if you have it closed and I'm talking, you'll go, oh man, I missed that Scripture. Uh, and these are going to be very relevant to you. They already are relevant, but I want to explain to you something. That if we're not loving one another in the church, take easy now, here I go, we don't qualify to take communion. Oh, yeah. Now, now that I said that, don't turn me off, okay? Because I got more good news to come. More good news. We should be in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. And I want to look at and begin with verse 17. Look at verse 17. It says, look at your Bibles, because it says, in the following directives, I have, what does it say? I have no praise for you, you Corinthian people, for your meetings. What happens in your meetings? They do more harm than good. What? Come on, Paul, give us a break. What's going on there? It says, in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, that's all of us gathered here, there are what? There are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. Wow. This is pretty heavy-duty stuff we're talking about today. It's pretty amazing, because when they came together, it wasn't just the meetings where they shared the preaching services, but it was in communion services, it was when they had potlucks, it's whenever they met, which was usually daily. They were having some big, big problems. Now we know from, if you're taking notes, just write down 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I'm not going to turn there, but I'll tell you what was happening. Is that in the church at Corneth, they had, and they were following certain men. Now these are really high-level, high high-profile guys that were really well-known. But it became so bad that it caused divisions in the church because some would say, you know what? I follow the Apostle Paul. He is a great theologian. Others said, no, but I follow Apollos. Apollos was known as a great preacher. Others said, no, but I follow the Apostle Peter, whose name is Cephas too, by the way, as you know. And then they said, and they lumped in with those three men, another person and some of them said, I follow Christ. Now, looking at that list of people they were following, these people were very confused. Instead of arguing, they should have done more Bible study and prayer, right? We don't follow any man. We follow who? Christ the Lord. Who is the head of the church? Christ the Lord. Not the pastor, not me, not the conference, not the general conference. The head of this church, whether it's this church or the big church, the world church is Christ the Lord. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah? Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. But these folks are going, no, no, no. I'm following Apollos, man. Can he preach? Oh, no, no. I like Peter. You know, he's a big, big guy. He's a, used to be a fisherman. This kind of thing. They were very, very disoriented. And because they had political differences. <gasps> Did I use the word political? Yes. 
Because sometimes we identify each other that way when we're here. That's totally wrong. This is the church of God, and we are God's people, first and foremost. Amen? Amen. Whatever else happens is between you and God. But here, this is the house of God. This is the church of God. And we have unity because we love Jesus. Amen? That's what unifies us among everything else. But these folks, because of their differences, they held grudges and became political parties almost, you know? So how, how do you like the theology so far? Is it working? I love theology. Okay, let's go to verse 20. Here's what else happened. So Paul goes on to say, Now when you come together, it is what? It is not the Lord's Supper you eat. Wow. That's pretty heavy duty, huh? When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you're eating. Verse 21 says, For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for who? Anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Wow, we. <laughs> these guys need some help, amen? Now, don't get too upset with these guys because I'm not talking about them today. Guess who I'm talking to? Us. All right. So, I want to go one more, one more verse. Look at verse 22. Don't miss it. You there? Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church? Who? Who's the church? The church of God and humiliate those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? What does he say? Heck no. Certainly not. I'm not praising you for that. What's wrong with you people? You know? Now, get this. It was the culture of the time to have agape feasts. They didn't call them agape feasts. They had another term for them. But in that society, aside from being a Christian, it was part of their society to have what we call potlucks. And so the way they would do it is the folks who could afford to bring more food did. And the folks who could bring something did, but everybody was invited. That was just part of their culture. So now as they move in and become Christians, they say, well, we're going to have an agape feast, which is like a potluck. And again, no one had to be told what to do because it's part of the culture. You know, if you can bring more stuff, you bring it. And you bring what you can. The only thing is, is because there were cliques... Did I say the word cliques? Okay, i got to stop here. Okay, I'm on my high school committee for our 50th high school reunion. Can I get an amen? All right. I'm only 47. I don't know how I got on it. Anyway, I'm on a committee, and when we go there, I look around. There's about 10 of us there, and I can remember when we went to school. By the way, when you went to school, were there any cliques? How many had cliques? That's pretty good. Now, let me ask you something. Were you in one of those cliques? All right. I know I was. Remember at school, you got the cool guys, then you got the cool girls, 
And then you got the athletes. Then you got the bad boys. Who am I leaving out? Oh, yeah, you got the bad girls. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, back to the story. So in Corneth, in the church of Corneth there, they had cliques. And the cliques were, if you had money, you are with the money clique. If you were with the poor, what clique are you in? Poor. Now, don't forget, there were slaves in the church. What clique are you in? And nobody is actually putting you in those cliques. But basically, that's what was happening. Is God's church divided that way? Is it divided that way here? Of course not. We have all different people here. We all come from different backgrounds. All socioeconomically different, correct? But when you come through that door, it doesn't matter all the little letters behind your name. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your bank account or what you rolled up here in. It doesn't matter because we are all God's children. Amen? And by the way, let me tell you this one. I've done a lot of funerals. And I have never, ever seen a hearse followed by one of those big U-Haul trucks with all the stuff in it. I've never seen one of those trucks following the hearse. When it's time to lay down and sleep and rest for Jesus, you, you go out the same way you came in, right? So it's, it's not about what we accumulate and who we are now that's important. It's who we're becoming in Jesus because we, we plan to live a long, long time. Amen? Amen. This, is not, this is not our home. We're moving on. So here at the church here in Corneth, these folks had cliques. They had divisions. And the big guys, oh yeah, the big guys could roll in there. And by the way, if you were a big boy, you didn't bring your food in. Your servants did. And they would be over here, you know. Hey, have another one of those and another one. Have another one. Go ahead. At that end of the table. Over there, if you were the poor, you had the poor fare. And if you were a slave, you may not have much of anything to bring. In fact, some folks ate best at these love feasts. It was the best meal of the week for them. We don't know how often they did it. So, Paul says to the folks, now you have to look at verse 26. Now we're going to zero in on this a little bit. Oh, by the way, um, do you see verse 23? I need to say this to you. I can't get away without it. He says, for I received from the Lord, I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. Now, he's, gonna, he's going to talk about right there in your Bible uh, words that Jesus said. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Does that sound familiar? Uh-huh. And then he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Why? In remembrance of me. Paul didn't learn that from any man or any textbook. Who did he learn that from? Christ the Lord himself. So then he goes in verse, now we're ready for verse 26. For anyone, for, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, what do you do? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What is the proclamation of the Lord's death? What's that about? 
When Jesus died, he purchased our redemption. Isn't that true? That means we are forgiven for our sins. Isn't that true? People who come to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me, the Lord forgives us. The Bible teaches us. And even the thief on the cross in the last few hours or moments says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus says, I'm telling you today, you will be with me in the kingdom, you know. He didn't mean that day because he wasn't in the kingdom that day. He was sleeping, right? So he, we know what that meant. So I'm saying, and I, what I'm saying here is that, you see, when people were coming to the communion with a grudge in their heart, when people were coming to the communion only thinking about their clique, they had the wrong idea about church, about the body of Christ. The wrong idea. Now, in verse 27, this is the verse that really gets a lot of attention because a lot of po folks have asked me about it. You probably asked your pastor about it. But let's look at it. Verse 27. You've got to look at it. Here it goes. By the way, would you read this with me? Verse 27. Okay, read it with me. Here we go. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Wow. Okay? Now, friends, I want to tell you right off the top here, the communion service is for sinners. I want to tell you right off the top. If you're a sinner, that's who that communion, that's who the communion table is for. Because you have a sinner, you have a sinner providing the bread for sinners. That's what you got here. How many are sinners? Okay, we're all there, aren't we? So this, this has nothing to do with your, your character. You're coming to the table not because of your character, but because of Christ's character. See? You're coming to the table because you sinned. Because you need it. That's why you're coming. All right? And that is exactly why we serve communion. I had a man in my church who said, Pastor, I don't feel worthy to come to communion. I said, you are the reason we have communion. Don't you kind of feel that way sometime? But when you go and you realize you don't feel worthy, yet Jesus says, come to my table. Man, don't you love Jesus? Oh, I love Jesus, man. Wow. So he is, this is not talking about whether you're a sinner or not a sinner. It's not talking about that at all. What it is talking about, though, is this. If we come to the table having a grudge against somebody else in the church, we are beginning to take that in an unworthy manner. Why is it unworthy? Because Jesus died on the cross. Do this in remembrance of me. What do we mean remember? We remember that he gave and he sacrificed himself and paid for our redemption and our forgiveness. And doesn't the, huh, doesn't the Lord's Prayer say something like, and forgive us our debts as we do what? So if I'm feeling superior to you, or I have a grudge against you, am I fulfilling what I know to do? No. 
the Bible does says is that it says that when you know to do right and you don't do it, what is it? Sin. In fact, the greatest definition of sin comes from George Knight. You know, George Knight, uh, seminary professor, writes books and stuff, really a wonderful Christian man. George Knight, I, I stole this from him. George Knight says that the best definition of sin is this. I know more than God. I know more than God. So, Adam and Eve, don't eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden or you'll die. I know more than God. What's he talking about? I know, I'm smarter than God. I'm going to go eat it. See what I mean? See how this works? So oftentimes we know what we're doing, but we still do it. You may as well say it. I'm smarter than God. That is sin. Oops, did I step on anybody's toes? Sorry. Okay, can't help it. <laughs> All right, so a person who comes in an unworthy manner has, it has something with somebody in the church that's unresolved. You know that woman over there with that hairdo? I'm not talking to her. You know that guy over there? You should see that guy do business. I'm not talking to him. That kind of thing cannot happen in the church of God. We, we, you know, when the little kids come over and say, oh, mommy, I don't like her. She's, look at her hair and this and her, look at her dress. Most moms say, you know what, honey? Why don't you be a friend to her? Why don't you show some kindness to her? Maybe she needs a friend. Don't we say that to our kids? Or the boys get in a little fight with somebody. You know how boys fight? Well, go back there and make friends with them. Come on, get over it. And don't we need to get over it? My father-in-law, who I really loved a lot, but he, he didn't like me at first. When, at first, when Jenny and I were going to get married, I, wasn't, I was not his man. Mm-mm. No. I was, uh, I was kind of a punk kid, so I don't blame him. Later on, though, in life, I learned to love him, and he said to me before he died, he said, Mitch, I love you. You know what I'm saying? I learned a lot from him because he was a businessman. And um, I, I happened to, you know, he and I were, I was selling some stuff for him, for my father-in-law. So one day I went, and I said, hey, do you have that stuff? I got to sell it. And he says, nope, we don't buy that anymore. We don't? <laughs> okay. What happened? He tells me a story. Well, the guy down the street, literally down the street, competitor, uh, did, you know, did me wrong, and uh, so we're not buying from him anymore. Okay. week later, I come back, and I go, hey, where you guys got all this stuff here? I thought we weren't dealing with him anymore. No, no, it's over. We just, uh, we needed this stuff. I called him up. We talked it over, and we're friends again. That's the way you do it, huh? You don't hold grudges. You, you, you go to the person. Doesn't the Bible say... When you come to church with your offering, oh, Lord, I got you an offering. And there at the door, you remember you have something against someone. The Bible says you have ought against them. Man, when the Bible says ought, you got to pay attention. And you have, some, you have ought against them. You know what you're supposed to do? Leave it at the door. This is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Leave it at the door. Go and be reconciled with your brother. Then come. Then come back and make the offering, okay? 
See what I mean? So the idea about knowing each other's names is really important. We need to know each other's names because we have to apologize to each other often. You know how it is when you got a big family and sometimes you have a disagreement, right? So do, what do you do? How do you resolve it? Well, we just don't talk to them anymore. We don't invite them to Thanksgiving anymore. That's it. They, they're not coming to my house for Christmas. You know? Oh, it's the birth of the Lord. Hallelujah. You're not coming to my house. Uh-uh. See what I mean? Am I preaching? So the reason I'm telling you this is because I'm duty-bound by the Lord God to tell the whole truth. And we don't, I don't ever want you, I'm not your pastor. Uh, by the way, this is my last time with you guys. Love y'all. Been glad to be here. But your pastor will be coming back soon. And um, anyway, I want to tell you this. I would want your next communion time to be a joyous time of renewal and forgiveness. And in fact, it's not only for the communion. See, a lot of times people read this, this part of Scripture and they go, oh, that's just for communion. Oh, I'm always good with everybody on communion. No, 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 no. This is for every time the church gets together. This is not just communion. Every time. Potlucks, worship, communion, an outing. You are still the church of God, amen? Whether you're in this building or outside the building. Verse 28 says, a man, look at 28 now, a man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without, without what? Recognizing the body of the Lord. Now, what does recognizing the body of the Lord mean? What does it mean? Ask your neighbor, what does it mean recognizing the body of the Lord? Go ahead, ask your neighbor. Go ahead. Ask your neighbor. Nobody's doing it. Come on now. You afraid to ask them? Let me ask you this. Do you talk to everybody in the church when you come? Do you say hi to them and shake their hand, give them a hug? When it says that you need to recognize the body of Christ, you got it. Lee got it. When you're recognizing the body of Christ, you're recognizing not just your clique, not just the homeboys. Uh-uh. You're, you are recognizing everybody. Because there was the landowner and the slave owner at church in the first century here in Corneth, and there were some slaves over there too. But what Paul is saying to him is, look it, you may be the big boy now, but it ain't going to be that way long. Okay? When we go to heaven, the slave... Isn't the slave one of God's children? Uh, I thought so. And the person who has a lot of stuff, he's God's children too. He's got a burden though. You know, the burden is, there's a tendency to think too much of oneself sometimes when we have too much. We need to think that we are God's children in a humble and kind way and recognize every single person in the church. In fact, at my church, the deal was... I wanted people to know each other's names, and I wanted them to know the kids' names. Do you all know the kids' names, all these little kids up here? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Did you, do you know them? 
We need to call those children by name because that is the next generation. Those children will lead us. And it's going to be, take some elders to go out there and make those kids know how to forgive and love and everything like that, okay? Verse 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks what? Judgment on himself. Why judgment? It's because of this. It's because they are not following what Christ said to do. That's it. It says in verse 30, that's why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, but if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. In other words, if we'll look at ourselves and say, I don't really like her. I don't like him. I'm not going to meet her. I'm not going to meet him. We should judge ourselves and say, is, is that what God wants me to do? Is that the person I'm supposed to be here? What's the answer to that? No. I'm supposed to, I need to know you. You need to know me. Not only that, you need to know my name. You need to know one another's names. Now, is there anyone here, I'm glad your pastor's not here because he could do it. Is there anyone here that could go around the church and name every person? Let me see your hand. Come on. Somebody's the point, fingers are pointing. Fingers are pointing. You know what? You know what? I think all of us should be able to raise our hands. What do you think? Did you know what? You can learn 300 names. Pastor, I just can't learn names. I just can't. How much money do you have in your wallet? $125.63. We are, we pay attention to what's important to us. Amen? Isn't that true? We can know each other's names. We pay attention and listen. So here's, here's I've got to end it up now. The happy church. The happy church. The happy church is, so my brothers, in verse 33, look at your Bibles, so my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. In other words, in other words the reason you wait is because you want to be sure you're sharing your food with the poor, your food with the slaves. And they'll, they'll, they'll be glad to share what they have as well. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home. And so when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I'm going to give you further directions. Okay, time to end the sermon. All right, today's the day. Today is the day you're going to learn two names of people you do not know. Can I, do I have your permission to do something really important. Would you guys do something with me? How many will help me? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask this side to stand up. I'm going to ask this side to stand up. We're, you're still in the service. I'm going to ask you to go over there and meet two people you don't know. You guys over here, two people you don't know. Do I have your permission? Just say amen. amen. Anybody opposed? Okay. Please stand up. This side. Please stand up. Uh, let's get a little background traveling music wherever Lee's at. Go, go, go meet two people. You only got two minutes because I only got two minutes. Go meet two people you don't know. Two people you do not know. Go do it. Come on. Two people.
All right, now, when you meet those people, sit down. Okay, go ahead. By the way, sit down with the people you met. Sit down. Whoever you met, go sit down. Go ahead. Come on. Sit down with the people you met. I'm almost done. Almost done. Okay, now sit down with whoever you met. Okay. Okay, how is it meeting people? Is it okay? Now, let's see. Did, did you meet two people you didn't know? Yes. Praise the Lord. Okay. You are the body of Christ, and thank you so much. Love you guys, you know. Glad to be here and sharing God's word with you. And Jenny and I have a great time. I'm going to talk to your pastor about coming back and teaching you some more about small groups sometime. But anyway, um, you know, what you've done is going a long way. Don't let this slide from you guys, okay? You take control. This is your, you're the church. Christ is the head. Meet new people, okay? So this church knows one another so much that when a guest comes in, you all go over and go, hey, glad you're here. Notice I didn't say visitor. What did I say? Yes. Guest. A guest is someone you expect, and you want them here. And if you're a guest in this church today, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And Lord, from your throne, may your love be poured out upon each of us this week. That love may flow from us to all those we meet during this week. We praise you and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.